0: Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Skye Marie. Let's get into today's show. To celebrate our 100th episode and season three wrapping up, we want to say a huge thank you to you, our listeners, and all the incredible mamas who have featured on the show by having our first ever PBA website sale. There are educational books, delicious body products, bath salts, birth affirmation cards, an array of amazing items to choose from to support, nourish and soothe you along your journey. Simply use the code PBA15 at the checkout to receive 15% off your order. And thank you so much for being here. Welcome back everyone. On today's show, Bernie shares with us her rite of passage to motherhood with the birth of her son, Oakley. Bernie felt lost in the system as she began to attend her antenatal appointments with no clue as to what models of care were available. It was only after her close friend mentioned home birth that she was open to the idea of birthing outside of a hospital setting. A viewing of the birth documentary, Birth Time, helped solidify her and her husband's choice to bring their son Earthside at home with a private midwife. As her pregnancy progressed, she felt anxious over her son's transverse position, an experience that gifted Bernie her greatest lesson to take into her birth and parenthood, to let go and trust. Trust in her body, her baby, and her innate instincts. Bernie shares the ramifications of her pregnancy rhinitis and the importance of building your village before you enter matricence. Enjoy the show. Hi Bernie, welcome to Positive Birth Australia. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: No worries, Guy. Thanks so much for having me on board.
0: Could you just start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: No worries. Um, well, firstly, my name's Bernie. I'm 33 years old. I'm based in Brisbane in Queensland. Um, my partner is Toph. He's a couple of years younger than me. Um, and then I have an 11-week-old son called Oakley, um, but nicknamed Oaky. So we had a successful home birth in end of July this year.
0: Beautiful and was Opie a planned conception?
1: Yes, he was. Um, and it's funny with conception. Um, the I have two other besties in our little friend fam um, group, and they in February last year for whatever reason we had a we had a catch up, and um, we all just decided let's just get knocked up in October. <laughs> <laughs> this was last year, um, and so we can all have our kids grow up together and. Um, I was the first one to be successful and um, my other bestie a month after, well, three weeks after me um, and then now the third one has fallen pregnant um, a couple months back. So we're, we're all on a similar time scale. We all happen to be pregnant, uh, I think, an overlapping five weeks, which is pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, I was the first one out of this little group. But aside from that, you know, being this age, so many of my friends and and you know you just go in socials and there's and there's babies everywhere so um yeah I didn't feel like I was you know late to the party or anything like that Mm -hmm. um yeah so planned conception and um by that the the first time we tried I thought I was pregnant so I had what was called that phantom pregnancy where I had all of the symptoms and my mind just went straight into, yep, definitely pregnant, um, 100%. My boobs feel super sore. I'm super lethargic. Um, and I just, and, and, I had, and I had, well, my period never came, but I just went into overdrive of, oh, my God, I'm so excited. Let's download all the apps. And I really didn't even know what I was doing. I was just... I went a little bit crazy, and my partner was like, "Hang on, don't you want to get the doctor to just double check? Maybe get like a blood test." Like, no, 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 don't be silly. I even went to a woman's circle and like confessed that I was pregnant, and I wasn't. <laughs> I didn't even. I didn't even know for sure, and I'd never returned back because <laughs> turned out four days later, my period came. Oh my gosh, <laughs> the so day funny. that I got the blood test from the doctor, love it. Um, and literally a few hours later. I started bleeding. I was like, oh, well done. You. And then <laughs> I think it was at that moment, the fact that I thought I was pregnant and then it got stripped away from me, that's when I realised that I really, really wanted to be. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that, that was a little bit silly of me just getting a bit um, carried away. So anyway, two months later, I did fall pregnant, so I was successful then. Um, and I think at the start of it all, I don't know why, but I, I did a lot of, you know, recently to lots of podcasts and lots of pregnancy stuff and then it got round to going to the doctors and then the first question was um what's your chosen model of care and I was like what's that like I literally mm. no idea what I was doing I was like shit should I do some research on this now and um by the time that I properly found out that I was pregnant um I think I was about six weeks in because I was in such denial I was like let me just leave it a little while before I actually, you know, get the blood test and make it official. Um, and then at that point, I I joined, you know, the public system, I got into a midwifery group program, but that took a long time. That process was quite slow. The communication was lacking. I didn't know what was going on. I just felt a little bit lost in the system. Um, and then I think about at the 10-week mark, my bestie who happened to be the one that I was mentioning earlier um, who was pregnant three weeks after me and this is with, with her second child, um, she mentioned home birth and for whatever whatever reason, a little light bulb moment just went off and I was like, oh, why didn't I actually think of that? Yeah.
0: Did you know at all that was an option before your friends suggested it?
1: No, not at all. I didn't have anyone around me in my immediate circle that had had home birth it was just all you know the standard system um hospital births and and many traumatic experiences that obviously I didn't want to fall down the, that pathway but with I guess with um with home birth what really tipped it over for Tof and myself was that um we watched that birth time doco together my bestie her partner and then Toph and myself and as soon as we watched that firstly cried secondly yeah. It was the t- first time my partner had seen, you know, a birth um, like that and he was just blown away and just I can't think of any other way to do it. Wow. So that's what really kicked things so that's when we went down that pathway of, okay, now we need to find a private midwife that will allow that. And, my gosh, that was probably the hardest thing. Yeah. <laughs> Last year was absolutely mental, Um, baby boom of some sort, I guess, but we really struggled. So I think I called... In about a two-week span, I pretty much covered every uh, midwife around Brisbane, Northern um, Brisbane, Southern Brisbane, whatever else. And then, luckily, one midwife was available. And unfortunately, due to circumstances, of she had um, someone locked in, but then um, fell through with a miscarriage. So I happened to take that spot um, in for July last oh, this year. And so I was very grateful for that. But I. Can't imagine if I hadn't have found a midwife, would I've just jumped back into the public system? Mm-hmm. So,
0: would free birth have been an option for you? Do you think?
1: Definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> I did not feel equipped. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. Mind you, by the end of the pregnancy, with the amount of knowledge that I had obtained and I had soaked up, I think I could have. But also, I think just being first timer. Yeah, it was just that, just that little bit of comfort, just having that that support there. So. Yeah, of course. That was definitely necessary for for my peace of mind and for my partner as well. I think. Yeah,
0: for sure.
1: <laughs> but yeah, in terms of the pregnancy itself, um, it was pretty low risk. It was it was actually the most amazing time. Um, felt very cruisy. I, I felt fit and healthy throughout the whole thing. I I didn't have any sickness. Um, a little bit of um getting I guess getting grossed out by say certain things like anything soupy or smoothie that kind of texture that kind of grossed me out um but that was only for a few weeks and then you know I was doing pregnancy pilates six times a week I was doing 10,000 steps a day when I was heading to the office and the CBD I was um I was doing as much as my body was doing before so I really just kind of kept that up um and really just focused on feeling as fit as possible um, because I knew the fitter I would be, the the easier the labour or the more that I would be able to handle it. Um, but the only issue was um, daily allergies. So I had pregnancy rhinitis. Oh, um, what's which was between Yeah, so it's literally hay fever every bloody day. Oh, <laughs> so, no. Um, it was between about week 16 to about week 32. Um, so it was a good chunk of my pregnancy. And I would wake up in the middle of night, blowing my nose I had a stuffed nose so I couldn't breathe properly um and yeah women complain about waking up in the middle of the night to go to the toilet I woke up because I couldn't breathe and I have asthma as well so that didn't help the situation but it was just sneezing so much and having tissues everywhere and everyone worked but I was constantly sick but I was just like no it's just allergies um unfortunately from those allergies and from sneezing so much that actually created a prolapse so God. Oh, okay. Who'd have thought? Um, yeah, so all of the all of that extra pressure um, just created a prolapse towards the end of my pregnancy. So that was a little bit noticeable. But, um, yeah, my physio said, you know, it's not going to impact your labour and, unfortunately, it's something that I do have to deal with now um, post-birth, but that's okay. I think there's many things that happen after birth, so it's just a matter of being able to manage it and um, keep up, keep it up. But um, in terms of, say, um, positioning for Bubs. um It well, I knew I knew he was a boy. Actually, I want to jump back to gender, and we we found out during our gender reveal where we actually had COVID at the time, so we had to cancel the entire event. I was oh, really bummed about it. um But anyway, we did it in the park. Um, my bestie came round with her with this the smoke machine whatever it's called um and she kind of like threw the cannon at me um with a distance um and then yeah we we shot it and I knew it was a boy the whole time I just kept saying he and I was like eh, it's definitely he and my partner said do you know what it could be a girl it's a 50-50 chair like no don't be silly <laughs> so I just I don't know maybe it's mama's instinct or something but I just knew um and yes of course the blue came out I was very happy about that for whatever reason it was just something that I envisaged I said I'm going to be pregnant, I'm going to have a boy first and it's going to be by the time I'm 33. So anyway, that happened. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, so moving along to about the 20-week scan, that's when um, they they said that he was transverse. So he was laying sideways in my belly. He wasn't ever head down or head up or anything. It was just sideways and then it just kind of kept staying sideways. And it wasn't until... Um, about the what happened we had we did the calm birth course so similar to hypno birth course but a little bit different so it was over two days um and the calm birth course we learned some techniques so I guess similar to the whole spinning babies um website with all those techniques of how to literally spin your baby so when they're transverse if they actually don't move out of that position come labor um then there is that potential complication and I did not want to entertain the c word that's that Caesar that so um I guess I just tried to do everything and anything possible to to get him to head down and everyone just kept reminding me you know trust your body trust your baby I just kept having that mantra thrown at me and I tried to visualize him heading down and use all those visualization techniques and I sang to him every morning on the way to Pilates I was like head down baby um and it just didn't happen so I that was probably the the main thing that I stressed about towards the end of pregnancy um and I really focused on that and I think that's where a lot of stress and anxiety came about because it was a lot of acupuncture appointments a lot of um moxa a lot of moxy moxybustion. um do you know that one through acupuncture no i don't so it's um it's when they so the acupuncturist gets this this dick of some sort it's this black look, it looks like charcoal or a cigarette stick um and they put it up against your little pinky toe there's a little section there where it's connected um to the cervix i believe i'm going i'm going to butcher this explanation i'm so bad at explaining um, somebody else tell me um, and yeah essentially it actually triggers movement um within right. um, and and he's he, every time she would do it he would start wriggling about and moving, which was awesome. But um, there's lots of success rates of Moxa actually getting, say, um, a baby to be breached and then head down the right way. So um, I just kept going back for more and then I ended up doing DIY Moxa, which you can do for two weeks or ten days straight. Um, unfortunately, it didn't help the situation. <laughs> because But I think that all of the things that I was doing, like, um, plus the Cairo and the Webster technique and all these other spinning babies that I was focusing on, it all did contribute to him eventually heading down. Um, He couldn't be stuck there for that whole time. Um, And then, yeah, towards the end, I think once I finally went on mat leave, I had about three and a half weeks from from the due date itself um, to have leave. And honestly, I wish I'd given myself more time i thought you know three and a half weeks that's enough time for myself because i get bored really quickly but i was just so busy and i yeah. <laughs> just wish i gave myself more time i think if um there's got to be a sweet spot there no doubt when um mamas go on leave and some of them you know may may give birth early um or it could be late so you could have three weeks or it could be one week break or it could be five weeks break so i just yeah, it's really hard to kind of guess that. So anyway, felt really busy, I was running between all these appointments and um and then and doing my Pilates still. And I think the biggest learning from all of that towards the end of my pregnancy was just bloody slow down. Yeah. <laughs> it was just um it was just too much. It was too much for myself, um, my body. And as much as I was feeling physically capable to, I think it was just Mentally, I needed to actually just stop and let go. And that was one thing that I really had to um to learn and lean into. and a lot of I guess um meditation and and women's women's circles that I joined, the number one word that I hated the most, which is surrender. <laughs> everyone says it's just surrender. I'm like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> I'm resisting the art of surrendering. Um but it was I think I had to just reframe that to just let go, just, yeah. come, Just you know, just relax and let go because he knows what he's doing. He'll eventually head down um, and and that's what ended up happening. So
0: what was your midwife's opinion on his position just out of interest? Did she say it was okay? Like I'm sure, you know, she would have known that babies obviously do eventually move into their right position.
1: Um. So the midwife did mention it was a potential for C-section. Um, she mentioned it in a very um, – Kind of nonchalant way just didn't want to f- focus on it and as soon as it was mentioned i kind of just Inside, i just man. like really froze i was like nope that's not what i want how can i avoid that yeah. um and and also i think there was oh there was another technique that you could do going into the hospital it could have been done by an um an obstetrician i can't remember what it's called but it just sounded quite um like an intervention of some yeah. Sort. yeah and quite painful i just didn't really want that to happen so i was pretty much trying to do anything natural that i could control for my end yeah. um and yeah and i know that it's as much as i was focusing on it i didn't really want it to um i can only do so much and that's where i really had to just let let bubs do his own thing and and make its way down so luckily with all of those um i guess towards the final end of the week so 38 weeks plus um that's when he started really moving ever so slightly like it was a bit of a clock ticking like it was just you know head down a little bit further a little bit further a little bit further for every appointment um and then he yeah he oh what happened it was the actually it was the day before i went into labor i had my um my midwife came around It's very um, funny, this story. So my midwife came around and she just wanted to test out. So I was 39 weeks plus four at this point um, on this day. And then she came around and just said, look, I'm, I just wanted to see how far along you are. And I just said, look, I've got plenty of time. I was just in denial. I was like, he's going to be late. He's going to be, he's going to come next week or even the week after. I just don't feel ready. He doesn't feel ready. Um, and she said, yeah, I'm heading to the races tomorrow and I am I may have a few cheeky couple of bevies. So I just wanted to see where you're at just in case you do go into labour. And I was like, no, it's not going to happen. We're good. And then right at the end of that appointment, um she assessed where she where he was just felt the positioning and she was like he's engaged I was like you're kidding (laughs) and as soon as she said that my whole body just relaxed (laughs) I was like this is all I needed to hear and I immediately dropped the stress my anxiety just disappeared and I remember sitting outside on my day just staring out at the balcony and just going, Oh my gosh, I just needed to trust you. This whole time I just needed to let you tell me that you were going to be okay and you were going to get down there eventually. If anything, he tested my patience <laughs> for one third of that pregnancy, definitely he definitely tested my patience. Um I learnt a few things before I even came Earthside. Um and and yeah so um, that night, I remember watching a doco with my partner. We didn't talk about birth, we didn't talk about labor at all. Um, and then the next morning, that's when labor kicked off. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> of course it did. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> just needed to trust in my body. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I did feel bad for my midwife. As soon as I woke up with those pains, I was like, oh no, she's going to kill me. She's gonna... <laughs> <laughs> she can't go to the races. Um, so, anyway, so that morning, it was a Saturday morning and it was 1am and I just woke up to these period like cramps and it was, I could feel them um, in my lower back and I just kind of lay there and tried to not off to sleep, but also kind of timed them just to see how far we were going. And I didn't want to wake up my partner just in case. I was like, oh, look, these could be quite early. Let's see where we're at. And then they were about eight minutes apart. And then it got to about half an hour later. I was like, okay, that's it. I'm nudging him. And I woke Toph up and he was actually, funnily enough, he told me this afterwards, but he was in a dream and I interrupted his dream. He said that he was dreaming of a glowing circle in the corner of the lounge room which was actually the birth pool lit up. Um, so he was dreaming that and, and visualising bubs coming into the world, which is mind-blowing because he did have a lot of crazy dreams. I didn't remember a single dream throughout my entire pregnancy. I've never been able to. Um, and, yeah, he was connecting with with Oki so early on. So that was pretty wow. cool to to have that little bit of experience. But, um, yeah, as soon as I woke him up, I said, "Tof, it's on start your engine, basically get that checklist going because we had, it's like we, it was a project. Like, like we just had this stupid checklist. I'm a list kind of person. I'm very, like we're both very organised with that sort of stuff. I can get carried away with those, I know. But um, we did a bit of a practice run, say, a few days prior just to go, okay, when it's go time, this is what needs to happen. And it was little things like I had prepared, um, I'd bought these, oh, what do they call, earplugs. I bought these earplugs and wrote a little note to all of my neighbours because we live in a unit complex of five other apartments. And I was like, if I'm giving birth here, they're going to hear everything. So I should probably give them a bit of a heads up. So um, he ran around to all the doors and just dropped um, little post-it notes saying, if you hear of any unusual sounds, don't be alarmed. Don't call the cops. It's just just bernie going into labor Uh, so just in case i never knew what sounds were going to come out of my mouth um so he did that and he was running around um he was like all right i'm going to send off all of my invoices to my clients i'm going to put my out of office on um tell all my clients that you're in heading into labor so they can't interrupt me for three whole weeks which is awesome putting that boundary in place Mm -hmm. um and then yeah he just he just went crazy doing his All the things that he wanted to prep, like the birth pool, kind of blowing it up, getting it ready and getting the lights up. We had um, prepped all these positive birth affirmations around the house probably two weeks prior. So we kept reading them around the house, which was awesome. Um, Little trigger points like, you know, floppy face, floppy fanny and things (laughs) like that. Um, And yeah, and they were just all around. Um, And I have some photos behind me on the wall, which we've kind of kept up there, Um, just photos of both myself and TOF as babies, um, as well as during my pregnancy journey and just, you know, me with Bump and the Bump photo shoot. Um, and, yeah, just just having really gorgeous photos just to remind me of of what we're bringing into this world. Um, and, yeah, and so for me, I just tried to rest as much as possible. I know that so many stories I heard, um, it was like, okay, in the early stages, make sure you rest. You need plenty of sleep because you've got to get through this marathon. Um, so I used heat packs. There was pain on lower back. So um, Toph would time in between my surges just to see how it's going. But I actually took my Fitbit off. I pushed my phone aside. I got this spare phone and and threw on his um, Toph's noise cancelling headphones and threw on this one hypnobirth track that I kept listening to throughout the end of my pregnancy. And it was so ridiculously hypnotizing it was this two-hour track that I would just have on repeat 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 same things I knew exactly what she was going to say next it was just very trance like and it's exactly what I needed um and yeah I just didn't want any reference to time I didn't want to know how long I'd be going for um unfortunately the sun came up (laughs) and um and I I could see it creeping through the windows I was like all right that's it getting that getting the um, the eye mask on, so I'm not distracted by the sun, because then I could figure out what time it is. And um, and then he Toaf went straight to Coles at 7 a.m. because he wanted to. Well, my request was I wanted a veggie lasagna when <laughs> I finish giving birth. So do you want to just make one for me? So he made a veggie lasagna and a banana bread for us. Um, for during while I was, you know, in la- in the throes of labor. Um, bless him. He loves cooking anyway. But the thing is, like, so we actually live directly, um, there's a netball court directly behind us and I know that netball kicks off about 7 a.m. So as soon as I started hearing the whistles blowing, I was like, bloody hell, I know what time it is. I've been going for six hours already. Um, And so that kind of just got to me, but then I had to just really let that go and just, you know, just kind of block all other senses and and really just hone in and get through those surges. Um, So I went between the bathroom, the laundry, and the couch just kind of swaying, doing a whole lot of movement, movement as much as possible um, and keeping it as trance-like as possible. A um, few little spews and poos, that's for sure. <laughs> I yeah. didn't expect that. Like the spews um, were just bringing up whatever snackos that um, Toe fed me. He was so good in between surges. He was like, here, apricots, here, soy crisps, here. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. I didn't like think, I just ate and then... Then it would come up anyway. And then it was coconut water and water. It was just constantly feeding me and and giving me all the all the liquids that I need to get through. Um, so bit of a sideline, bit of a side story. My mum, when she had me, the main thing that she focused on was that you took forever to come out. And so that was a story that had carried with me. And I was like, Oh great, so I'm gonna have a long labor too. And it was just this story I couldn't really let go of. Um, so I just Knew that I was in for a long run, so I wanted to prepare myself and make sure that I could physically and energetically get through that. Um, And so, yeah, I just kept trying to rest and stuff, but uh, it was it was just getting a little bit intense. So um, I just kept asking my partner, "When are we bringing um, our midwife around? Like, what time is it? Can we bring her around?" Um, And so he kept asking me because he kept liaising with her plus the photographer, um, and he kept asking me, has your water broken? Has the mucus plug been released? And that was an indicator for the midwife to come. So if either of those things happened, it just meant that it was, you know, progressing a little bit more and that she she could come round. Um, she had about a 30-minute drive to get here. So, um, And then I know I had, say, a warm shower of for about 40 minutes. I think I used all the hot water. Um, and then, yeah, it was just... I think about maybe after lunchtime, so about 12 hours in, which seems like a long time, the mucus plug finally appeared and the surges were about four minutes apart. Um, And then Toph managed to sneak away for a 15-minute nap at about, two o'clock and I stole my phone away from him and I sent a message to my midwife and said, please send help SOS <laughs> with crying emoji. So she, I think that's when she knew, okay, I've got to come. If she, if Bernie has stolen the phone and um, is really reaching out to me, that's when we know because Toph was just like, yeah, I think she's going okay. Oh, I think she's this centimeter dilated. I'm like, how do you know? You're not checking. You don't know what to look for. Um, so anyway, about three o'clock. Um, our midwife arrived, and I actually wanted to know how far along I was so that I could get into the pool. I wanted that green light so that we could start filling up the pool, get that going, and I just wanted to relax a little bit more. Um, so she did ask me, would you like a VE, which I, during our discussions, I didn't really want that, but I did want an indicator, so I was like, yeah, let's go ahead, let's do that. But I didn't find out how many centimeters dilated I was she just told me yep green light we're good to go I found out afterwards that I was actually four centimeters dilated so after what maybe 13 14 hours and to be four centimeters dilated if I had gone to the hospital at that point I would have been so discouraged I probably would have asked for an epidural or let's get this thing moving along give me something to get through this so I guess the fact that when you're having a home birth, you don't have any other option. Well, you do, You can go to the hospital. It was 10 minutes drive away, but I wasn't prepared to do that. So it was I'm doing it with what I've got right now. And what I've got is myself. I've got TOF. I've got my midwife. Um, and obviously the second midwife comes along a little bit later on and photograp- photographer a little bit later on as well. But they were my core birth team and it was those guys that were going to get me through. And it was myself, obviously. Yeah. So um, roundabout five o'clock we finally jumped into the pool so the surges were about two minutes apart at that point and my gosh that that warm pool was so soothing and such amazing relief and um at that point the photographer arrived I remember because I woke up from my trance when I I felt a flash and I was like what is that I just got a little bit interrupted and I was like oh, okay yeah she's here um and then Toph jumped into the pool and he was using acupressure so luckily with my acupuncturist. She actually showed TOF how to apply pressure on these certain points. Um, if anything, I think they actually increased the intensity of the surges, which probably brought it on a little bit faster. Um, so at that point, I was probably relieved. I was like, can we make this go a little bit faster, please? Because I want to get this going. It's, I'm starting to get a little bit exhausted. Um, but around about 5.20, the waters broke. And when that happened, being in the pool, I didn't expect to see my waters kind of, you know, break in front of me. But when it happened, it felt like this little water balloon had just popped. And I just remember going, Oh, what's that? I just and I was like, oh your water's just broken. I was like, oh, amazing. Like we can move on. What what happens next? Let's go. Um, and then around about six o'clock I started, I started pushing. So at this point, so many times I'd listen to all these podcast episodes of the fetal ejection reflex. I wanted to feel the fur. I was hanging out for it and it was just, I just felt this immense pressure downstairs. I was just like, I've just got the, I just need to do a really big poo. And they're like, it's the baby's head. <laughs> yep, I can feel that. Um, Just like this melon, just sitting there, just really adding a lot of pressure. And I didn't feel that fur. Um, I don't know if I had waited that little bit longer or if maybe if I kept Changing positions, I would have felt it. I don't know, but it will come to me in my second birth. Fingers crossed, I would love to wait for that and experience that myself. But unfortunately, I did push and bear down myself, um, which I think had led to the tearing. So that's a little bit later. But um yeah, Tove just saying floppy f- face, floppy Fanny. And at that point, I was like, I don't want to bloody listen to this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is awful. Um, but When that burning ring on fire came round, I swore the bloody house down. I did not give a shit about my neighbors at that point. I was just (laughs) like, I was raging and I was swearing. I was like, "Are you effing serious? Get this everything out of me, motherfucker!" Like it was so unnecessary, but I was just—I needed to get it out. I had to get it out. Um, I brought him back in once, and then when he went back out again I was like oh my god I can't deal with this like I just I just wanted to I thought it'd be a bit more natural um the feeling of him I don't know I just kind of visualized the fur just being oh he just slid on out um that did not happen (laughs) um it it was very bloody painful and yeah it was probably the hardest damn thing I've ever done in my life just pushing that head out (laughs) so when it when it did finally um come out just the head itself and then I felt that rotation of his body inside of me. That was a really amazing experience. That was so unreal. I just remember, oh, I feel him turning inside of me, um and which was very, very special. And I knew that he was so close at that point. Obviously, he was ready to shoot out, and it was just one more push and and one more surge. I mean, and then he was he was out of me. So my, so Toph was behind me, thinking that he'd catch Oki right behind him, but. He shot right in front of me, so I was the <laughs> one that caught him in the end. Um And he was a little bit dazed, I think because he his head was actually, I thought when his head was out and I'd paused for a whole search that his entire head was out and it was, um, you know, he was kind of cut, stuck at the neck, but it was actually he was stuck at the forehead part. So it, was, oh, it wasn't that. Yeah, so um that actually meant that we needed to just kind of um, shake him just a little bit because he came out quite dazed and um he was staring up at us but he wasn't really responding in a sense of we we're waiting for that cry, we were waiting for that, you know, initial like cough or something like that. So both midwives kind of just um just uh I guess roused him a bit and um just they're like, oh just blow in his face. And then he finally came to in the end. So um so it was three point seven nine kgs and um that 36 centimetre head circumference, hence why I tore, and then uh, 52 centimetres long. Um, So as soon as he came out of me, I was just in, like, holy crap, disbelief, I actually did that. Like it was the biggest marathon of my life, not that I've run a marathon, but um, a birth marathon. That Holy dooly, that was just such... Honestly, if I look back at it now, I was like, I cannot believe I did that. But holy doly, my body is so capable, and that was something that I kept saying, you know, reminding myself, my body is capable of doing this. I am built to birth. This is a physiological thing that happens all around the world. How many other mamas are doing it with me? Um, all those reminders. And when he came out, Toaf started crying. I was just staring at him, just going, "Oh my gosh, you beautiful thing." Um, so I kind of just picked him, scooped him up and um, put him on my chest um, after we blew on his face and stuff. And and then um, he kind of woke up and, and cried. And yeah, we were just staring at his beautiful face and we're like, we did it. Oh my gosh, we did it. Um, so it was just, it was such a gorgeous first moment. And I'm so, so grateful that we got a photographer because she captured his first few breaths, you know, being able to see this one photo in particular, which I'm going to plaster on my wall because it's just so beautiful. Um just staring into his his big beautiful um brown eyes. And every everyone that has seen him has said he's definitely walked this world this earth before. He's just he stares into your soul. He's been here he isn't he's an old soul. Mm-hmm. Um and luckily Oakley means like it's like nature plus wisdom, um, plus I think strength or something and it's like like an oak tree. So oak trees are so old um that this his name just suited it perfectly and mm. yeah we were just um we were just so amazed and the the meconium came out so he had his first poo on Chove's hand so thank god it didn't happen in me uh, while he was holding him that was still in the pool so we hung around in the pool for about half an hour and then got out um, on the couch and luckily the placenta came out pretty quickly. It was about an hour after birth um, in a sense of it came out easily. All I did was a cough and a tug from my midwife and um, Toph had a great time playing with the placenta, just having a look at that tree of life. It was pretty cool, like just to look at this organ that we can just literally create out of nothing. I
0: know, right? Insane. Blows my mind. Me too.
1: So mind-blowing. So it was just fun looking at that and then – we tied the cord after it was after it finished pulsating. It had gone fully white, um, and um, they were trying to. I was just focused on you know him latching and um, you know just just feeding him and and just admiring this beautiful body that has just come out of me. I just. I'm just in such disbelief because the number of times I think of oh you know when he'd kick me on on my left side and then I just look at his feet I'm like those were the feet that were kicking me from inside like that's just oh so crazy but um when Toph and the midwives were trying to sort the pool water out just um apparently there's this pump that does like a reverse pump to to get the pool water out and they were going to throw it over the balcony and the pump didn't work for whatever reason so like oh let's just get the pool water into the bathtub instead we'll throw it out that way and they went to go pick it up and they carried it over It was about 60 kilos worth it's a lot of water very heavy you know kind of blood and guts and all the things that are within me and then went to go put it in the bath and they actually like missed the lip of the bath and it all just went down on the on just like spilt all over the bathroom floor and I just hear this oh my god I was like I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Someone deal with that. I'm not dealing with this mess. No, I'm brother. dealing with a baby. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they told me later they had to mop it all up. Thank gosh it didn't get onto the carpet. But anyway, it was just we had a whole lot of birth pool um oh, wow. fluids all over the bathroom. floor. <laughs> so bit of a bit of a hilarious part there. But um unfortunately after all of that, when the second midwife inspected downstairs, this was the part that I was I was really worried about because i knew that i'd torn i could just feel it It just did not feel good um and she said normally should be able to stitch up a second degree tear um unfortunately it looked a little bit more complex and it was a bit of a third degree so we um they called uh queensland police services so qps and um for an ambo sorry for an ambulance i've got to stop (laughs) being so (laughs) so bogan with my words um we're all a bit bogan it's totally fine (laughs) and um and so the ambulance they said there were so many category one emergencies there were five in front of us and because it was a you know a third degree tear that it was going to take about five hours to get to us i was like that's no way i'm going to wait out for that so we transferred ourselves so we just drove to the marta which is only 10 minutes away um Unfortunately, because it was Saturday night, the game had just finished at the Gabba, so the pathway to the Mater, which should have been ten minutes, ended up being half an hour. And so I was in the car with my midwife, um, and then Toaf was with Oki in the in the other car, and he was just by himself, going, "Oh my God, are you kidding me? This baby is a few hours old, and I am driving him to the hospital with drunken people on the road." Oh, <laughs> like, no. It was such a nightmare, poor thing. So he was just crying up a storm. Um, the baby, not my partner. Um, and then we, yeah, we ended up at the martyr at the hospital at ten thirty um, at night. So he got he was born at six thirty p.m. Started at one a.m. So that however long that is, fifty whatever hours, um, and then. I didn't get into theatre until 1am to get the stitches done. So that was a full 24 hours before I got, you know, from labour kicking off to being in theatre. I stayed overnight and it was just, it was a long drawn-out process. Um, If only, I know, if only, if only I didn't tear, if only I didn't have that third-degree tear, then I would have had that second-degree tear and then I could have had, you know, easier stitches that I would have done at home. And the whole point of a home birth is to stay at home, but at least... I was in hospital for me and I wasn't in hospital for Oki. So that was that was the main thing. And I really wanted to focus on the positive birth that happened at home, not the the following hours afterwards, me getting stitched up and then us coming home. But regardless, it's it I think it's all about what you focus on and what you want to. Yeah. um if that means that I'm I'm pushing all all that stuff out of my memory, then that's okay. I don't want to completely disregard it. It did happen. Um, but I had to kind of just um, really focus on the beautiful birth that was yeah. and I look back on those birth photos and which tell a story and I'm glad that even throughout the labor itself, Tove did take photos god they were ugly um <laughs> of me just in labor I know like is there a way to make you look pretty I didn't I didn't know what it would be like to actually get a birth photographer I'm like how are you gonna make I mean how how's my face not going to look hideous for me to look at <laughs> afterwards but anyway the ones that she did choose and edit and send to us were absolutely beautiful so luckily <laughs> um but the ones that Toph took on my phone <laughs> there were another story so just anyway, did
0: not have an eye for it though right no some of the pics my hubby has taken of me, I'm like, wow, I, know.
1: I didn't even know I looked like that. So I know. That. You just don't see yourself um, in the most unflattering positions because you're not looking at yourself in the mirror whilst all that's happening. So anyway, um, so by the time we did get home, that first 24 hours was just bliss. And I tell you what, that first maybe eight days of newborn life, I was like, oh, my gosh, they just sleep all the time. How good is this? And then he woke up to life and I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> he really likes to cry. <laughs> What's that about? Um, so, so yeah, unfortunately we did have a bit of a um, an issue with his feeding. So I thought feeding was going fine. I literally thought the breastfeeding journey, I was like, wow, this is working, this is going, all good. So um, I had a lot of fear around feeding and I think it stemmed from chatting to so many other mamas that had challenges and it's not a straightforward thing I thought it's a skill, and I, right? oh absolutely and it's a skill that it's like the more you learn about it yeah I wanted to educate myself and empower myself with knowledge before I gave birth as well so it wasn't going to be I just gave birth I have a new body now I have a new baby and all these other things I need to learn like What else can I learn before he comes along so I can kind of reduce that mental load? Um, So I did a fair bit of like, you know, YouTube tutorials and stuff like that, but it's not until you're doing the real thing with your own baby before you go, oh, yes, that's the latch and this is how you take him off and, you know, whatever else. But I thought we were doing well and I was like, oh, yeah, he feeds for ages. He kind of just keeps hanging on there and then he'll fall asleep, I guess. And I was doing like 40-minute feeds and then I – and it wasn't until – probably a week after when he was crying so much in like, you know, the witching hour, et cetera, like around dinner time to maybe 3 a.m. or something, and he just wouldn't go to sleep and we were just like, what's going on? Um, And we probably chatted to my midwife a few times plus um, got a lactation consultant involved who I'd met before gave birth, which I highly recommend to actually have an LC on standby, build that village before you actually need that person um and luckily she was just around the corner so she came by and, and um and watched watch him latch on and, and things like that and it wasn't until about the third week I think, second to third week that we I just didn't feel like things were right for him and it just didn't seem like like things were going well, and I didn't know what was a, what it was about it. But I was just like, I think we just need to check in with someone else. Um, I just wanted more, like a, a different opinion. So we went down to the drop-in um, clinic just down the road um, here in our suburb, and it's it's easy to get him weighed because um, we didn't have any scales and stuff. And our midwife was sick for about two weeks, two weeks, so she couldn't actually come and visit. Um, and little things like that, it just kind of was a bit of a blur. But um, when he got weighed and we kept coming back because they said that he was actually losing weight. And we're like, oh, this isn't good, what's going on? Then they came up with um, other, the nurses came up with other strategies and it was like, all right, so we're going to try giving him top up breast milk and it'll be your own milk. So we'll look at pumping. So I jumped on the pumping bandwagon um, and it's all these little things. Like um, my friend suggested donor milk and I was like, oh, I don't know if I really want to do that. But he was actually getting so underweight he was not reaching his birth weight. He didn't reach his birth weight till a month in. They meant to reach it roughly two weeks in, um. And his face broke out. So I know that baby acne can be a thing, but it was getting worse and worse and worse to the point of, I actually start. I would cry looking at his face, like it was so bad, um. And he looked like he was in pain, and I didn't. I was like, what is going on? This can't be right. And, um, you know, cradle cap, how it's like that that look on on the scalp he had that but it was next level like um kind of a fungal look on his scalp um so we went to so our lactation consultant actually um referred us on to a Cairo who then took us under her wing plus also got us onto the superior lactation consultant like the one that that lectures all lcs in Brisbane, she was the one that we got referred to, and so glad that we went to her because she got us on the right track and ASAP. And that's what we, we what we needed to do. We needed to fast track him with his weight um, and get him up to a good um, a good weight again because it was impacting his ability to suck. So not only was his his mouth there was like an oral dysfunction there, so he wasn't able to actually suck properly, which meant that he wasn't transferring milk from me, um, plus I had low milk supply. Um, so it was both of our parts that we were, okay, immediately I was like, all right, I'm going to order all these teas, I'm going to order all these booby bickies. Toph, can you make me lactation cookies? Like um, I'm going to get these, um, you know, fenugreek and all these um something thistle and all these things just to increase milk supply they're all a lot of it's quite you know fatty and whatnot in terms of um it's just on the gram but I just wanted to do all the things that I could to try and boost that milk supply um and then from his side from Oki's side we got him yeah we just kept going back to the Cairo and they were kind of not adjusting him in a way but Um, providing some exercises for him to increase his um, oral functions that he could suck better um, and that he could draw the milk out from me so it was a bit of a catch-22 in a sense Um, and then it was what was it it was the I'm just trying to think what else happened there well once we've got donor milk in that we topped up with that as well um so we gave him the bottle probably about week three so it was bottle plus boob and then i jumped onto supply line which is which i'm still doing and it's probably the most fiddliest thing in the world to to thread a line into his mouth while he's still on my boob we just didn't want him to get too used to the bottle that he rejected the boob um so it was just between about week two to week five whole lot of stress it was a stress on him because the reason why he had this acne and and this really bad like fungal infection thing on his head was that um it was all essentially him in survival mode he was crying so much because he was hungry and we didn't realize that like i would constantly if he was crying i was like oh i gotta put him on the boob but he could never draw the milk out enough anyway and there wasn't enough for him so it was like this this battle that we were having body just went into this um, you know, fight or flight, and so hence why it was all coming out physically, and and you know, just on him that we could see that his skin was so bad um, because he was he was not gaining that weight. So it was it was a lot of stress that time. Um, so I'm glad that I did have the support, and we we fast tracked him within a space of about. I think, six days he gained maybe 420 grams. Like it was insanity. They're only meant to gain 150 to 200 grams per week. Um, But we really had to bring him up to a good strength so that he could, um, you know, do that he could actually feed properly. Um, So, yeah, that was, it's all a blur now.
0: (laughs) Did he have any tongue ties? Yeah, that
1: was definitely mentioned. They they said that they didn't want to... um, release anything until he got stronger just in case he actually could function correctly without getting that release. So our LC actually asked both Toph and I to open our mouths and look at our tongues and turns out both of us had tongue ties. I'm like oh well that's interesting. Well I'm 33 years old and I'm finding out about this by now. Um, It hasn't affected me in the past so it's possible to live a life with a tongue tie and not know about it and still continue but I know that there are Many tongue ties that can impact, say, speech down the track and and whatever else. So, um, it it's now not been something to focus on. So it looks like from from him gaining the right amount of weight, he's on a good trajectory, which is awesome. Um, and obviously, we're, we're eleven weeks in now, so he's he's gaining. Um, decent weight and everything's fine he's able to transfer milk fine I go from um, you know having full um, full breasts to being emptied like it just goes floppy after not too long so and we still do top ups for him because I do want to make sure that he's still um, still gaining that adequate weight and he's still you know on on that trajectory but it was just a very stressful time and I can tell you that was probably the lowest that we had felt. The two of us, um, and obviously for him, um, just that stress. We were deep in the trenches. We didn't want any visitors at that time. About week two, three to four, maybe. And I knew we had to hang in there. And I was like, "There's light at the end of the tunnel. We just got to, we just got to get his weight up, and then everything will start getting better." And it did. So we just had to, we had to persevere and persist. And if anyone else is in this situation right now, where you know they may be in stress because of the bubs not gaining weight or whatever it may be whatever issues may may arise postpartum um post-birth then just know that it always will get better as much as everyone tells you that it really does and I think it got to about week six and I was like finally I see joy like I get to see him smile he's interacting he's babbling he's chatting back to us like it's so sweet and um you know that's that's the fun part it it should have been as easy as that but um I wish that we were able to jump on it earlier or whatever it may be. Um, it's just there needs to be more, I say, I say this all the time, it's like forget Dealing with the nursery, forget spending so much time and effort with, I'm going to make it really pretty and I put the cot in. I'm like, you're not going to use the cot until you're six months old. Like yeah. you've got time. Let's look at other things that will help you so that you're not having to Google a million and one things while you're, whilst you're trying to feed a screaming baby. Like you need to be able to be equipped with this knowledge before you need that. And mm. the number of, you know, Google tabs that I had open researching things. And then it got to a point where I was like, I'm going to stop that. There's so much conflicting information out there. It is so stressful that do you really want to keep adding more stress to yourself by hearing all these different opinions and and that's I think that's what yeah, a lot of a lot of mums and parents in general can just get so overwhelmed with all that information. And then it just got to a point where I'm like, you know what? There's so much out there. There's a lot that I will take in, but there's a lot that I will just go, you know, I think I'm going to, I'm fine and I'm I'm trusting my gut because mama knows best and I, yeah, need to tap into that instinct, which now I feel like I, I'm definitely doing that. So yeah. hallelujah. It took a while. <laughs>
0: you did it though. Well
1: done. You don't know what you don't know until it actually happens. So, yeah, I think second time round, you know in a few years time let's let the body recover yeah, of <laughs> um, I think I think those um the third degree chair definitely scarred me that little bit but as soon as I um yeah as soon as we're ready then hopefully number two will come round in, in a few years time and we and I don't need to do all that crazy research it's just gonna be all right I know what to do and pregnancy I love it let's make it let's make it happen again and um yeah I can worry about that later so otherwise
0: love that. yeah so what would be your key piece of advice for any expectant mothers out there listening
1: um I think well I mentioned it a little bit earlier with the um the whole ditch wasting so much time on the nursery ditch wasting so much time on on researching baby products and stuff and you want to kind of prepare prepare your village before you need them that was one thing where it got to postpartum and it was about week two week three and tofu was doing all the things. He was doing the the washing out, the cleaning, the um getting me the waters, the, all those things and and then it got to a point where he got burnt out himself. Um and we said, "No, we're fine. We've got this." And then we didn't have this. We needed assistance. And you've really got to be able to push that ego aside. There's so many times where it's like a lot of people offer to give you help and then you go, "Yeah, no worries, I'll take that on board." And you never actually actually ask them, "Hey, can I can I get your help now take it if they're offering they are legitimately meaning so and they would love to do so and I know from my perspective now I know what it's like for a first-time mama to go through this and postpartum I know what to provide for other mamas like I beforehand I had no bloody idea what what they needed you know it's like oh maybe a cup of tea I guess but what else do you need and now it's like okay I know I know what is needed and I tell you what, seeing those dishes piled up, as much as a lot of people tell me, forget about the housework, just focus on resting and stuff. And I'm like, the housework is giving me anxiety. I need somebody to deal with this. So mm. <laughs> we luckily we got um, Tove's parents who are literally 30 minutes away. They came up and were coming about once a week. They come now every once a fortnight and they come around and help do the housework and even if we're physically capable too they will do that and they'll take Oki out for a pram ride so we can have a nap like so we can have a bit of a break and it is so imperative to allow for the help so that's my advice if the help is given take it push the ego aside and just take it (laughs) yes
0: you're so right i love that Well, thank you so much for sharing your beautiful journey with us today, Bernie. It was awesome chatting with you.
1: No worries at all. Thank you so much for having me on board, Sky. I really appreciate it.
0: That is officially a wrap for season three, everyone. I hope you've all enjoyed not only today's beautiful episode, but this season of wonderful women who have shared their most sacred journeys with us. It has truly been such a pleasure connecting with these incredible mamas and sharing their wisdom with you all each week. We have already begun recording for season four, which will kick off in January next year. But I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all from the bottom of my heart for tuning in each week. Your messages inspire me daily and have been the fuel behind this podcast longevity. We might be taking a break from podcasting, but we will still be working hard behind the scenes to bring you informative and inspiring content over on our Instagram page. Also, don't forget to sign up to our newsletter over on the PBA website and make sure you take advantage of our first ever sale. Thank you so much for tuning in, sending all my love to the mamas out there getting ready to meet their babies. I will see you all next year for season four of Positive Birth Australia.